0: God is good, and all the time. Mm. Let's wake up a little bit. I'm going I'm to say something. I just need a response from you, okay? Is he willing? He is. Is he willing? Is he able? Is he faithful? Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles, turn them on, flip to Exodus 20. And for those of you that want an academic view of Exodus 20, come back next week. Danny will be preaching, I think. (laughs) But today, we're going to be in the second commandment. We're in the series called, that, that Pastor Will has titled, The Big Ten. And truth be told... I was going to bring this message last Sunday, prayed over it, pined over it, studied through it, just tore it apart, you know, any possible way I could, and and had all these notes laid out, and then snow hit, right? The the, the great snowstorm, um, which was kind of not so great, but anyway, uh, we kicked the can to this week, and Pastor Will was so gracious enough to allow me to bring this message, and I'll be honest with you. Um, As I'm even looking through my notes this morning, uh, and I think I shared with with Pastor Mike, I'm ready just to throw them and start all over again. Yeah, he said, well, hold on a second. But I won't. Uh, I won't do that. But uh, I do believe that God has given me a word through this passage of Scripture. Even through this morning, uh, we had a great time in in, uh, student ministry. And and, and it deals with this very topic that we're going to talk about And honestly, I thought Will was giving me a softball to bring this message, right? Because we know that the second commandment kind of follows, you know, pretty closely with the first commandment about idols, right? And Will brought that a couple weeks ago. So then he gave, you know, he he got sick and and he said, hey, you know, Joel, would you be willing to? And I said, of course I would. Let's do this. And I was like, oh, this is going to be simple. Let me tell you all. There's no softballs when it comes to God's Word. This was not an easy message to prepare for. But can I, can I tell you, can I share something? This is, this is free. This is off my notes and everything. The, the thing that I appreciate the most about being able to stand up here before you at this time, it was over the last two weeks as I, as I prayed and, and I prepared and, and I read. I'll be honest with you. Well, you gave me, you allowed me to have a deeper love for the Word of God than maybe I even had before. Man, it's so rich. It's endless. It's, I mean, you, you can read something over and over again and come up with something new over and over again. The treasures in God's Word are endless, y'all. I me say that. The treasures of God's Word are endless, y'all. And really what we're going to see here in, in a challenge is to be in God's Word daily and to seek those treasures daily. Because uh, I think, uh, Danny, you're going to be preaching next week, and it's going to be in the third commandment, which is uh, about God's name, right? Using God's name. And then after that, I think, Will, you're back, right? So hold your breath. Will's going to be back. He's just, uh, he, and I praise God that we've been able to give him this break, and, and I hope it's a refreshing time for you, brother. I really do. But his Will comes back, he's going to be talking about the Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day holy. But can I tell you that what God has shown me even before this message is that, you know, though he cares about, deeply about the Sabbath and taking rest on the Sabbath, God is far more concerned with your Monday through Saturday than he is just on your Sunday. And what God has shown me is I can't— and he, he, You can can ask my wife, I cannot not be in God's word. Is that can I say that? I cannot not be in God's word every day. And I pray that's the same for you. What we're gonna see in the second commandment, and and we'll get to it. (laughs) In Exodus 20, 4 through 6, we're gonna see a few things. And again, you can well, you might have to come back and hit this one again. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you. There is so much in this, so much more than just idol worship or just idols. It's really who you worship and how you worship. So if you would, let's go ahead and let's read the passage of Scripture. We're going to be in Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. It'll be on your screen or, or you can follow along in your Bible. of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and who obey my commands. Let's pray. Father, you are good. We've declared it in this place. You are holy. We've declared it in this place. You are worthy. We've declared it in this place. And Father, you are the only one who is worthy of our worship and our praise. So, Father, as we dig into this passage of Scripture, your second commandment of the ten, God, I pray that you would give us a a fresh perspective of who you are, your love for us, your zealous love for us, and, Father, that we would carry that into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, back into Sunday, because we know that spending time with you Daily is what you desire of us. It's what you require of us for those who love you. So, Father, again, I pray that you would be in this word. Let it be your words and your words alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I I love guide rails. (laughs) I like having a left and right limit. I I wasn't always that way. You know, when I was younger, when I was a teenager, the left and right limits, you know, I would stretch the boundary of those left and right limits. But if you ever been, went bowling and had those bumpers that come up, man, those things are the best thing ever created if you're a bowler, right? I could throw it as hard as I want, any way I want. I'm probably bound to hit some pins eventually. But those, those left and right bumpers, I, I love it, you know? And, and that's where... We see That's what we see in these Ten Commandments. We see our left and right limits, and God is trying to keep us in the middle of the lane. I need regulations. Not just regulations, but examples to follow. In light of Jesus' standard for righteousness through his Ten Commandments, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And what we can do when we're, when we're looking at these Ten Commandments... Is that we can approach them not head-on, but we can approach them. We have the we have the privilege, those who are in Jesus Christ have the privilege of approaching these Ten Commandments through Jesus, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In, as a matter of fact, in Philippians 2.12, it reminds us we are not, or we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, not to work for our salvation with fear and trembling. So these Ten Commandments, they're not. Something that we can attain, right? To 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 earn righteousness. Or, I mean, in the contrary, we go we come to them and we figure out how filthy we really are and how inept we really are to, to live up to those commandments. So again, we don't come through them head-on, praise God. We come through them, we come to them through the precious blood of Jesus. So as a continuance of the first commandment. We're we're going to get a little bit deeper. We're given more specific instructions as to who and how we're to worship. So the second commandment prohibits not only idolatry regarding false gods, it takes it a step further, prohibiting the making of an image of any created thing that might take the place of God, that we might worship ahead of God. So don't make any graven images, right? So what, how does that look today? How does that impact us today? The truth is that our worship today, it's, I mean, it's image-driven. A lot of it is image-driven, even today in the church. Does anybody ever—show oh, of hands. Who has the picture of Jesus hanging on their wall at home? You know that picture, okay? We've, got, we've still got one, okay? Now, what we're going to see is that's not bad. That's not a bad thing, right? Who has a cross hanging on their wall at home? Yeah, we've got a cross hanging on our wall at home. Yeah, Who has scripture posted in their home? That's a great thing. That is a good thing. That's even a God thing, but it's not the main thing. It's not what we worship. It's who we worship. I remember looking at that picture. This is kind of a sidebar. When I was growing up, my grandma had that picture of Jesus hanging on her wall. I thought it was a relative. I didn't know Jesus at the time. I thought it was somebody that we were related to. But well, you know what was, what was crazier than that? No matter where I went in my grandma Hall's house, that picture was watching me. It was like, isn't that crazy? Who else, who else ever seen that? Okay, oh, all right. Okay, I got a few, few takers. But it was just interesting that I always thought that that picture was watching me. And see, what we're going to see about God and who he wants or how he wants us to worship and who he is in our worship, he's not telling us take down all the crosses and pictures and scripture from our wall. That's not what he's saying at all here. In fact, we see in a, in a couple scriptures later, a few, few more chapters into Exodus, we see God's command to, for Israel to make images of cherubim, Right? But it's not the object of our worship. It's not the object of our worship. However, when we make statements like, I can't worship unless there's a... Fill in the blank. I can't worship unless there's lighting. Unless there's a cross. I tell you what, I, even recently, I mean, I'm just being honest. I thought, man, this, it would be so great to move those screens and and put a big cross right up in front of the middle of the stage. You know, come on, let's do that. It, it'll keep our focus on, on God. But or whether it's a flag or, or you know, an in-remembrance-of-me table, it's when we say, I can't worship unless there's this, we make that an idol. Any, anytime we imagine or image or conjure up or anything that we make even good things or images of good things and we place these between us and God to help us worship that's an idol y'all and i don't know about you but i've had to i've had to do a lot of repenting and we're going to talk about that i know that's a big churchy word i had to do a lot of repenting this past week because god's shown me the idols of my life and that's the beauty of the Word of God. He shows you things about yourself that He wants you to give to Him. As a matter of fact, and again, I'm probably going to get off track here, so Will, you're going to have to probably pull the plug on me soon. But um, In Hebrews, okay, we're reminded in Hebrews chapter 4, I think it's in here, I know it's somewhere in here, come on. Hebrews 4, I tell my students all the time, it's like ragu, it's in here, I know it is. Let me find it. Hebrews 4, starting in verse 12. It's a great reminder of God's Word. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one whom we are accountable for. That's why I love the Word of God. It calls me to change myself. He shows me the idols that I place between Him and God because, man, I want to worship God with everything I've got. Who's with me? I just want to worship God with everything i got. I don't want anything to stand in the way. Pastor Will turned me on to this commentary uh, recently, and it's, uh, it's the author's uh, Phil Grant Riken and Arkent Hughes, and they offer, authored this commentary on Exodus, and actually it reads more, and I never talked to you about this, Will, but I, I think it reads more like a collection of sermons than it does necessarily a commentary, but I love what he sent me, and this is what it says in that, in that commentary, and the title is Saved for God's Glory, Exodus Saved for God's Glory, and it says this, this is the problem with idolatry all along, It created a false image of God that was inadequate to his deity and unworthy of his majesty. God is infinite and invisible. He is omnipotent and omnipresent. He is a living spirit. Therefore, to carve him into a piece of wood or stone is to deny his attributes, the essential characteristics of his divine being. An idol makes the infinite God finite, the invisible God visible, the omnipotent God impotent, the all-present God local, the living God dead, and the spiritual God material. In short, it makes him exactly the opposite of who he actually is. See, God cannot be captured in an image And he won't stand for it. Israel seen the miracles of God through their deliverance from Egypt, and they heard God as he spoke to them from Mount Sinai. However, they never seen him. Israel never seen, actually seen, God. Up to this point, uh, you know, if you know Scripture, if you're familiar with the Bible, God's only shown himself very few times. Adam and Eve... And then Moses, briefly, and it was his backside as he covered him. So to think that we could even conjure up an image to worship as God, it just blows my mind. We can't do it. He is an invisible God. So they heard God speak from Mount Sinai. However, they never seen him. And and as we're reminded in Deuteronomy 4.12, it states this, And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form. You only heard a voice. This establishes, listen to this, listen to this, y'all, I love this. This establishes the principle that the worship of God was to be word-based and not image-based. The worship of God was to be word-based and never image-based. Of course, I like Jesus' explanation of the second commandment. You know, if I'm going to follow anybody, it's obviously it's going to be Jesus, right? Jesus' breakdown of the second commandment, I find it in John four twenty four when Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. But let's keep going. The next thing we see in this passage of Scripture in the second commandment is that God is a jealous God, right? I think the better translation or maybe a, a, a more accurate translation, and I heard commentators kind of break this down, is God is a zealous God. Scripture reminds us God is a jealous God and God's jealousy is love in action. God's jealousy is Is love and action. He refuses to share the human heart with any rival, any rival. Not because he's selfish and wants us to wants us all for himself, but because he knows that upon the loyalty to him depends our very moral life. God's not jealous of us; he's jealous for us. And to, d- to dishonor God's image is to dishonor God. God is zealous for his image. See, God knows our tendency to worship God in our image. And we see it time and time again, and the truth is, is God's not going to stand for it. He detests that kind of worship because our desire stands in stark contrast contrast to what he Desires of us. God will not accept being added to your life. God wants to be supreme in your life, and he does that out of love. That's love in action. God's jealousy, God's zealous love for us. That's love in action. Paul in Romans reminds us of the danger of trying to make God into our own image. He says, in, in Romans chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools, and instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. And what happened? God gave them over to that. God gave them over to it because he is a jealous God. He's a zealous God. He wants nothing to stand between us and him in our worship of him. Again, God knows our tendency to say, God, I've got this. I really don't need you in this area of my life. When it gets big, when it gets nasty, when it gets hard, I need you. But right now in this area of my life, I don't need you. I can do this better on my own. Especially when it comes to our impatience. And our impatience, I don't know about you, but I tend to take my eyes off of God and put my eyes on myself. And that's exactly Where the enemy wants you. He wants you to take your eyes off of God, put your eyes on your circumstance, and keep you there. It's a distraction, y'all. It's one of the biggest lies Satan ever ever sold to us. Started in the garden, right, with Adam and Eve. It's got, you know, it's got, are you really going to die? Are you really going to die? And at that moment, Adam and Eve said, God, I got this. I'm going to do this on my own. And that's sin. And it's been plaguing us ever since. See, what we find is there are immediate consequences to our rebellion. See, our rebellion requires regulation ever since the garden. We've needed regulation. We've needed the Ten Commandments. We've needed You know, we need God and when we need Jesus as we're coming to these Ten Commandments. In Exodus 32, you know, a couple chapters after Exodus 20, obviously. And I I won't read this whole chapter, but it's just something that I found interesting as I was studying this. And what we see in Exodus 32, is those consequences immediately of idol worship. In Exodus 32, it's Moses going up to the mountain, right, to receive the Ten Commandments. He spent 40 days with God on the mountain. I don't know about y'all, and I'm sure Moses thought this too. I don't want to go back down that mountain. You know, I want to stay right here with you, God. I, I don't want to go back down there. And th- but then what happened? Moses is up there for 40 days. The people are in the camp at the, uh, you know, far from the mountain, not, not far from the mountain, in the shadow of the mountain. And they go to Aaron, who is, you know, Moses' right-hand man, and says, hey, I don't know about this Moses guy. He hasn't been back for a long time. Could you make us an idol that we can, so we can worship gods? And Aaron's like, uh, okay. Give me your gold. We'll do that because they got a bunch of gold from the Egypt as they were being exiled from Egypt. And he's like, okay, I'll do that. What happened was the people in the camp took Aaron's eyes off of God, put it on the circumstance. And so Aaron thought, okay, might could be a good idea. So he grabbed their gold. He fashioned it into a calf, right? So that they could worship. And the people went nuts. They went crazy. They worshiped this thing. And Aaron's like, oh, wow. Maybe I should build an altar. So he built an altar so they could worship it some more. And that's when God said, Moses, you got to get down that mountain. It was good spending time with you. I'm going to give you these commandments on this tablet, and you're going to go back down there. Moses went down the mountain. He found that they were idol worshiping. So what did Moses do? He took the calf, he ground it up, he put it in water, forced it the Israelites, to drink it, like getting rid of it. And then he stood outside the camp, and he's like, All right, who's ready to worship the one true God? And kind of this, to sum this up, the, the, the Levites came outside the camp. They joined him. And this next part, man, I can't imagine how hard this next part was. Because he said, God's commanding you to take your swords, go from, camp, from one side of the camp to the other, and wipe them out. So the Levites obeyed God. And they went through that camp and they killed everybody. So the question for, for us is who do you worship? If you've chosen to worship God, how do you worship Him moving forward? And any answer other than complete obedience and surrender brings to light remaining idolatry in each and every one of us, and it must be rid of and laid waste to and killed off. That's what we see in Exodus 32. Obedience starts with a life surrendered to Christ. So in keeping with the idea of coming to these commands through Christ, what does it look like seeing the second commandment through Christ? And the reality is this, that Jesus Christ is the image bearer of God. John 14, 8 and 9. We see Jesus' response to Philip's request As a matter of fact, I don't have it pulled up, but I'm going to go ahead and flip there. So if you want to, feel free, flip to John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus' response is priceless. I've been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who sees me has seen, or anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? See, Jesus reminds us that he is the image bearer of God. He is the visible image of the invisible God. We see that in, in Colossians 1.15 when Paul reminds us of the supremacy of Christ. See, Christ is the, invis- is the visible image of the invisible God. So in light of this, how do you and I honor the image of God in our lives? Well, first of all, We don't give any honor, place, or practice to anything over God. And that looks like valuing the preaching, teaching, and singing praises to God with the gathering. This is hard. Because I just want to share pastor's heart just for a minute. I don't dare share this pointing fingers or in condemnation but I share this because my heart hurts for it. I I want it so bad but I can't force it. When we gather together and we have Focused prayer time. And there's only two people that show up. Now, God can do amazing things with just two people. (laughs) He can do far more with two people than I could ever do with a a thousand. Amen? But when we have a gathering, and we can't take it seriously enough to gather and pray, and pray to God, man, that's It's hard. Again, I'm just being transparent. I just want to share with you a pastor's heart. And I can't even imagine, actually, I, I'm not a pastor, but I love people. <laughs> I love, I love y'all. And I want nothing more than to gather with the body of believers and praise him and pray, pray for people, pray for Above all, that His Holy Spirit, that His Spirit within inside each of us would grow and grow and grow. So again, don't give any honor, place, or practice to anything over God. How else, what, what, what else does that look like? And again, this might be stomping on some toes, but don't play sports, concerts, you name it, anything before gathering with the body. And this is especially tough in this stage of online church because we've made it pretty easy to stay separate, right? We just flick a button and, and praise God, right, from the comfort of our own couch in our pajamas. I've done it. But it didn't feel right. It wasn't right to me. Because there's something special about the gathering. And you know, when the Spirit of God manifests Himself within the, each and every one of us, and we come together to worship God, man, it's good. Come on, that is good, and it's holy, and it's, I, I'm like Moses, I don't want to go from this place. I want to stay right here. You know, that's why I wanted you to just keep going. Just fill this whole time up, that we could sing to the top of our lungs, because He's worthy to be praised. So that's number one. Don't give any place, honor, place, or practice to anything over God. Second thing we can do is destroy those statements. Destroy those statements. We can't worship unless this, unless the music is contemporary, unless the the hymns are sung, or unless there's a blended service, unless there's a cross, or unless there's anything. We need to crush those things. Like Moses showed us in Exodus, when he took those idols, ground them up, fed them to the people and laid waste to him. Come on, let's do that right here. God is ready for us to do that. He is ready for us to remove every distraction we can worship him in spirit and truth like Christ calls us to do. And then the third thing we see is, the third thing we can do, rather, To honor the image of Christ is seeing the image of God reflected in the people in the world around you and me and love them. And love them. Even when it's hard. (laughs) Even when it's not somebody you click with right it's seeing them through the eyes of Christ and seeing the image of God in his people and loving them and that's the reason we love them that's the reason I love you is because I see the image of Christ in each and every one of you Ross that's the reason I love you man So what's, what are we to do with this? Hmm. This Jesus Christ, the image bearer of God, is in fact the Son of God. Born a man, lived without fault or sin. He became sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. If this is the first time you're hearing that, let me put it to you this way. Jesus died for you and he died for me so that we could have access to the Father and worship him with nothing in between. The veil was torn. The veil was torn. We have direct access to God through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's what that means. So how do we honor God? How do you and I honor God in this moment? Honor the image of God? If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, it starts right there. That's where it starts. Surrender your life to Jesus. Declaring that He is the only one. He is the only one. We just sang it. He is the way and the truth and the life. Says it in John 14. No one can come to the Father but through the Son. Are you prepared to surrender your life to Jesus today? The decision to surrender your life to Christ is is the only decision that matters in your life right now. Now, what about the idols? What if you've made that confession of faith? What if you're you're sold out and you're following Jesus, but God is showing you those idols that you've left in your life that stand between him and you, that you've worshipped over him, or that you've thought that you needed to worship over him? He's ready to lay waste to it because he's the only one who can, y'all. He is it. Whether it's, it's your image that you've placed in between you and God, that you've put more, more emphasis on, on your looks or your image or anything else, or whether it's your, your employment, whether you've placed your job over him and you, you've decided to follow your job and, and climb that ladder, they all snap you back into the reality that I need Jesus because none of that stuff is ever going to bring you joy. It's never going to bring you peace. The only one that's going to do it is Jesus. 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 Our rebellion, which required regulation, leads us to repentance. And what does that look like? It looks like coming back to God and saying, I can't do this on my own. I need you. It's going all the way back to the garden and saying, I need you. And God, I'm sorry where I've tried to take it on myself. That's my life. That's me. Is that you? Where I've taken things in my own hands because I think I can do it better. Um, because I don't see any other way. And I think, okay, I'm going I'm to make a decision because I think I know the decision to make. Now, God doesn't want you to live paralyzed in fear and never move. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm saying, are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness before making that decision? And sometimes waiting on the Lord, like we've seen the impatience of the Israelite camp, you waiting on the Lord is just that, waiting on the Lord. If you're seeking first the kingdom of God, if you're in this word every day, he's going to show you. He might not show you what you think you need to know, but he's going to show you what he knows you need to know about him and about yourself. Will you trust him? Will you surrender your life to him? Pastor Will, he's going to, as the worship team comes up, we have a time of response. Again, this isn't just a time of response for people who don't know Jesus or have never surrendered their life to Christ. This is a call for us who have been Faithful followers of Jesus, but have placed those idols in between us and Him. And wait, there's more. <laughs> Sometimes those idols look like people. I was reminded this week that uh, as much as I want each and every one of us to gather every day and worship God together every day, as much as I desire that for you, I can't, again I said it earlier, I can't force it on you. I shared this with the students this morning. It's in John 5. It's when Jesus heals the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus comes, comes in and he, he addresses the man. And It's in John chapter 5, in case you're wanting to turn there. And Jesus asks him this. Would you like to get well? Would you like to get well? Of course I do. But the man immediately says, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, Stand up. Pick up your mat. Walk. And instantly the man was healed. Rolled up his mat and began walking. I can't save you. Pastor Will can't save you. Pastor Mike can't save you. The only one that can save you is Jesus. So it was a a lot like... Moses stood outside the camp in Exodus 32, and he said, who's going to follow? The living God. That's the question that each and every one of us have to ask today, whether you've surrendered your life to Christ before or not. Who's going to follow God? Do you want to be healed? I know the healer. I can't do it, but I know the one who can there's no magic, special magic at uh, this altar. It's not someplace where it's automatically going to happen. It can happen right where you are. It can happen right where you are if you're, if you're tuning in online. God will meet you right where you're at. And He's ready to heal you. He wants your surrender. That's what it takes. It's coming to Him, arms wide open, hands wide open, anytime, anywhere, any cost, God. I'm yours. I surrender all. If that's you, I, I would love to invite you either where you're at or you can you feel free to come up here and, and kneel before the altar and just spend some time with God in confession, in repentance because he stands ready to heal you and you'll never be the same. He's ready to change you He's ready to to make you into a new creation. If you would just surrender your lives to him. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and we praise you. You are the only one worthy of our praise. Father, it's our rebellion which required regulation that leads us to the repentance that you call us to. What does that look like again? It just looks like coming before you in humility, God declaring, I need you, and I can't do this life without you. Father, forgive me where I tried. In my impatience, I've taken the circumstances in my life and put put my sights on them instead of keeping my eyes on you, instead of waiting on you, I've rushed into something I never should have. The beauty of it is, Lord, that you you honor a prayer like that. And you stand ready to forgive and heal and restore so that we would never be the same. Father, I pray that each and every one of us in this room and online, throughout earshot of this message, Father, I pray that we would clear the stage of our hearts, that we would take down any idols that have gotten in the way of worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And Father, we would just lay before you wide open as your word has just spoken straight into our hearts. We would surrender to you. That's it. That's the call. (laughs) Just to surrender to you. We praise you, Lord, and we love you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen.